So we are currently exploring the, the letter of Paul to new followers of Christ uh, at Colossae. Uh, the, the Colossians first, lots of pressure to doubt their life in Christ. Uh, as we've been reminding ourselves, rock teachers had come among them preaching a false message. They were saying, Christ is only half the story, right? We need to add to Christ all sorts of mystical and angelic experiences in order for us to have a genuine life with God. That was their pitch. And Paul wrote this letter to assure the Colossians that Christ is enough. That's the message of Colossians. Christ is enough. You are complete in Christ. They have all they need in Christ. We have all they, we need in Christ. And therefore we should do what? We should keep growing in Christ. This evening we are looking at two key verses in Colossians, which I believe summarizes actually the whole letter of Colossians. We are looking at chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. Now this passage, I would say it's in the middle of the letter. You can't really understand Colossians until you understand this passage. Or if you haven't really grasped the significance of this passage, then you haven't really read the book yet properly. Because this Verses are actually the middle of Colossians. Now I know there are four chapters in Colossians. You're saying, well, technically, how can that be the middle, right? These two verses. But it's the middle because these two verses divide Colossians in two, right? From chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to chapter 2, verse 5, which we looked at this morning, Paul is focusing on who Christ is and who we are in him. And you'll notice something as we went through that. There are not many, there are no imperatives in that, in that section. There isn't really any command that Paul issues in those verses. There are only what we call indicatives. Paul is simply stating facts. Who Jesus is, who we are, and he prays for them. That's all. But there's nothing like do this, do that, right? Until we get to chapter 2, verse 6 to 7. From here on in... The sermons will be different, <laughs> right? There will be a lot of doing. Paul will be commanding us to obey. Obey at work. Obey at home. Obey in the church. There will be a lot of commands, right? Obey in preaching the gospel. And so we, we are moving from the indicatives to now to the doing. And verse 6 to 7 begins that. Now we should obviously do the do with the what we know about what is true about Christ and what is true about us. But just notice that we are crossing a bridge here. Uh, verse 6 to 7, just read for us. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, and here's the first command, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The big command of the whole letter of Colossians and of these verses particularly is keep growing in Christ. That's the big truth of Colossians. Keep growing in Christ. And I want us to learn this truth by breaking it down in two commands. Right? In your outline, it's got two commands. First of all, keep growing in Christ because you are in Christ. That's the first thing. Keep growing in Christ because you are in Christ. Notice the command in verse, in verse 6 there. What's the command? Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Who is him? Well, the him is Christ Jesus the Lord, it says there. So the question is, what does it mean to walk in Christ Jesus the Lord? 
Well, walking is a position of activity, isn't it? It means being active in Christ. To live and move in Christ. Now that we are in Christ, we must live and behave as people who have new life in Christ. Therefore, as people who have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. In Him, not in anything else. The in is important. All followers of Jesus are living in Christ. That's symbol number two we looked at. In Christ, we learned in, first, in chapter 1, verse 27, that Christ lives in us, the hope of glory. Here we are being taught something amazing. Christ lives in us, but now we've been taught we need to live, we need to go on in him because we are already in Christ. So do you see, Christ in us, we are in Christ. If Christ was a bottle, we are the water inside of Christ. We are in him. Not outside him. We now draw our life purpose and meaning from Christ. If Christ was a mother, we would be the baby in the womb of Christ. He's the one who provides the umbilical cord that sustains us. We are in Christ Jesus. The Christian life is not about living under certain principles or laws or pillars. It is a dynamic spiritual life inside this divine person called the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. And at this point, I think Paul is expecting the Colossians and everyone who's here who's listening to this to be completely filled with never-ending thanks for being in Christ. Because remember what I keep telling you about Christ. Who is Christ? Well, Christ is not just a word. The Jesus Christ, the Lord of Paul, has been described for us in Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. And you shouldn't get tired of reading these words. Let me just read them for you because they define who Christ is. Christ is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of or over all creation. For by Christ all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him that is Christ and for him that is Christ. And he is before all things and in Christ all things hold together. And Christ is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything Christ might be preeminent. For in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, through Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross, by the blood of the cross of Christ. This is the Christ in whom we live and move and have our being, we might say. You are in this Christ, if you are trusting in Jesus this evening. He is your all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing creator. Sustainer and Savior. And because we are now in this Christ, says Paul, we must keep growing in Christ. How does growing in Christ look like? Well, verse 7 answers that, doesn't it? There are two things Paul says in verse 7 about what it means to keep growing in Christ. First of all, it means to be rooted and built up in Christ. Look at verse 7. Rooted, says that, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus alone, so walk in him, 
How rooted and built up in him. Paul here uses two images. The first image is from gardening or farming, I guess. He's saying all true followers of Christ are a spiritual tree planted by God. God has already planted us in the soil of Christ. We are in Christ. We are already drawing life and sustenance from Christ Jesus the Lord. What a heavenly comfort. What a heavenly comfort that. That we are planted in Christ. We should pause and reflect on that. The world is often dark and brutal. People disappoint us, don't they? We disappoint them. Our fallen nature lets us down. I feel sometimes like I'm fighting a losing battle against my flesh and Satan. His attacks are relentless and never-ending accusations, temptations, and taunting. That's the devil. And on top of that, we're all living in a society that's unraveling before our eyes, isn't it? It seems to be getting out of hand. Darkness has descended on our civilization. It is tempting to ask ourselves, are we just wasting our time? Are our lives in this world going anywhere? Are we producing anything of value? Is this a waste of time? The Bible is comforting us, isn't it? It's saying, if we are in Christ, no matter how fleeting and how chaotic life seems, we have already been planted in the soil of Christ. God has graciously planted you into the soil of the unchanging and unconquerable love and mercy of the Lord Jesus. My life is planted in Christ my God. That, should be the, that is a confession of every Christian. I am sure, I am certain that I have a guaranteed hope grounded in the sensation of grace and goodness of Christ. This is my identity. This is the bottom line of my life. I am not just wandering endlessly and hopelessly through life like my next door neighbor or my unbelieving friends or colleagues at school. No, I am planted in Christ forever. And here's the point. Because we are planted in Christ, we must now keep growing in the soil of Christ. We must send our roots deep in him. Growing in Christ means sending our roots deeper and deeper into the soil of the gospel that is Christ. And and as we do that, we become healthier and stable in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, in light of that, so walk in him, rooted, he says, and built up in him. A tree that spreads roots deep into the soil is stable, isn't it? That's why the the taller the tree grows, the deeper the roots are, because the roots must be deeper to sustain the tree. And the deeper are the roots, it means it's, it's not easy for the wind to uproot it. I know we've seen wind do that recently, yeah? But it's not easy, to, the wind, to do that. And most of the time, it will just blow away the leaves, but not the tree itself. Well, that's a picture of the Christian life. As we grow deeper into Christ, 
feeding on Christ. We, we become less wobbly in our world. It doesn't mean the, the leaves of our lives won't be blown away. No, we are stable in our life with Christ. That's the first image of growing. Growing our roots deeper into Christ. The second image Paul uses here is from the world of construction. Paul says growing in Christ is like being built up in him. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. Notice Paul says, in him again, not on him. (laughs) That's important, isn't it? Because this passage is not talking about Christ being the foundation and building, right? Other passages of the Bible talks about that. But this isn't about that. This is about the building being in Christ. The point Paul is making is that growing in Christ is progressing in living and serving Christ under the total safety and protection of Christ himself. So taken together, this image of the tree and the building are saying to us, growing in Christ is growing in feeding on the soil of Christ, right? And it is growing in dependence on Christ. Now we need to remember this, that growing in Christ is being rooted and built up in Christ. Because there's so much pressure on us to look to other places. To look for things that cannot satisfy us. And Paul is saying to us, resolve to, be, to grow your roots deep in Christ. Resolve to be built up in Christ. Keep growing in him. He's the only one you need. Do not be like NASA, right? Who wastes billions of taxpayers' money looking for life where there is none to be found. No, they're searching for life in dead places. Don't be like that, says Paul. Stop trying to plant yourself in the worthless soil of sin. In the worthless soil of the fleeting pleasures of Egypt. Be like Moses who planted himself in the soil of Christ. You are already planted in the good soil of Christ. So keep growing your roots deep in Christ. Resolve to continue to be built up in Christ. To keep drawing life and stability and security from Christ alone. That's Paul's message here. The second thing Paul says here is that growing in Christ, it's not just being rooted and built up in Christ, it is also being established in the faith, isn't it? Look at verse 6 to 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. We talked about that. And established in the faith. What does Paul mean by the faith? Actually, we've looked at this when we were studying Jude in our Bible studies. And in fact, Paul here has looked at this phrase already in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. If you look over there, you see the phrase comes up, doesn't it? If indeed you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast. And then he says, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Do you see that? In verse 23, the faith is clearly the truth of the gospel. The doctrine of salvation in Christ. Paul is saying, growing in Christ is becoming established in the truth of the word of God. The gospel. In knowing and trusting the word of the gospel. And since all of the Bible speaks to the gospel, Christ is at the heart of every scripture in the Bible, is on the page of every scripture. Therefore, 
what Paul is saying is that we become established in the faith by being established in the doctrine and teaching of the Bible concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. To put it bluntly, if you and I are going to grow in Christ, we need to grow in being gospel-centered theologians. You must become established in the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. You must grow to know that inside out. The deity of Christ. You must become established in the sovereignty of God in salvation. And you must know the truth of the security of believers. You need to be established in the many wonderful attributes of God. You need to grow in knowing the lordship and exclusivity of Christ. In an age where Christ is being challenged. You must be establishing the truth of God concerning how we are made right before him. Justification. How we are made born again, regenerated. How we are being sanctified, becoming more like Christ. You should give yourself to want to know more about the word, what the Bible teaches about biblical evangelism. The role of preaching in the life of the Christian. You must give yourself to knowing the teachings concerning hell, heaven, the second coming, final judgment, and the new heavens and the new earth. You must aspire to be a a gospel-centered theologian. There needs to be a a hunger in you to know these things. You must be established in the doctrines of the church and its ordinances. When is the church the church? You must be able to answer that question. Well, how significant is baptism and the Lord's Supper? Does it matter if I miss it? You must know the answers to that. And the big one we are grappling with at the moment, what's the relationship between the church and other God-ordained authority? How should we think about sphere sovereignty? Where does the church end and where does the family begin? How do the two relate together? How does the the family relate to the state? How does this, the, the, the church relate to the state? All of these questions are important. They are, at the, they are gospel issues. There needs to be a hunger in all of us to learn these things. The elders in the church, Brother Ola and I, should be overwhelmed with queries on how you can grow in the word. My library is like, got loads of books in there. It should be empty. Follow a dear brother who's reading my, my library at the moment. I should be like, where is my Calvin commentary? It's gone. That's how it should be, isn't it? We should want to read the word and understand the word. And this is everyone. Men and women. Boys and girls in the life of the church. The wonderful truths of the scriptures are more than just for the church elders, beloved. We are all meant to be established in the truth of God. If you are not grounded in the truth, how are you going to be able to check that what's being preached here is biblical? If you don't understand the Trinity, how are you going to know I haven't got it wrong? You know, I'm explaining it, the Trinity. You've got to aspire to be grounded. And of course, we have a responsibility as a church to equip you with that. 
But that comes with us being overwhelmed with demand for those things. Paul is saying the key to living and growing in our Christian life is to grow our spiritual roots deeper into him and established in the truth of God. And I think this is something all of us need to hear, isn't it? You know, your greatest need in life is not more money, beloved. It's not even a better family. Dare I say, it's not even a better church. Your greatest need is to be rooted and built up in Christ and to grow in being established in the faith, to grow in living and breathing his word. You know, there's so much that Christ wants to teach you. There's so much Christ wants to teach me. There's so much we need to learn to grow and to live and serve Christ in a way that honors him. And the problem is that many of us do not see our need to be established in the truth of God. Some of us do not even sense our need to be taught through preaching. We are prone to declare ourselves theological experts overnight, beloved. We are very keen to teach others. We lack humbleness to be taught. By others. But the Bible does not say here, you know, when I, when I read this passage, it floored me. Because the Bible here does not say we grow by teaching others. No. Nah. It says we grow by being established in the faith just as you were taught. And immediately when I read this, it frightened me. Because I teach all the time. I need to be taught. And of course the key to that is for the church to raise up preachers in the church. So the pastor is regularly also sitting down under the preaching of God's word in the church. But the question for you is this. Are you giving yourself to being taught by others that God has placed in the church, in the word? Or is your mentality that you can teach yourself and we must ask ourselves, don't we, are we humble to be taught? You know, I can honestly say, if there was a way, and I don't mean to bring attention to myself, I apologize in advance, but I can honestly say, if there was a way I can be a pastor by sitting in the pews every Sunday to listen to the word of God, I would do it like, like that. If the elder would allow me, I'm just like, I'm happy just to sit, just to take in the word. You know, I thank God that I love listening to the word of God being preached. And, I, and I'm not being hard on a number of you because I know sometimes it's very hard to listen to a message. I know that. Uh, I preach regularly boring messages myself and I understand the messages can send us to sleep. But sometimes we are tired and health issues and that kind of thing. But I do thank God that I can honestly say as I thought about this that... I'm sure Eunice, if she was here, she would correct me. But I can honestly say I can never remember actually dozing, listening to a sermon. I'm sure I've done it. I'm a wife. You can ask. I'm sure she said. I've done it enough time, right? But I, I, I can't honestly remember. And I'm, as I said, I'm sure I've had terrible sermons and I've, I've delivered many terrible ones myself. But I can't think of a sermon which I heard 
that I never learned anything from. By God's grace, I've always aspired to listen to the word preached as the word coming from the living God. Even if I personally struggled with the preacher for some reason, or I'd questioned Mark about him. As I said, it's not draw attention to myself. I'm just saying that I just thought about myself. I thought, well, if I can do that, this is not beyond us, isn't it? To love the word of God. And what you need to do is, is to ask God to help you to grow in the love for him and his truth. And to desire this word of God to be preached to you. We need to cry out to God to help us prioritize sitting under his word. Not just, I'm just, not just talking here, but from wherever it's being preached in the church. You know, when the ladies meet, they're doing book reading. That's great. If you're a lady in the church, plug into that. Don't think you've matured so much theologically that you don't need that. That's spanning what God has offered you in the life of the church. Don't think you've advanced your theological experts now that you don't need to be taught by the ladies in the church. Be humble, beloved. Submit to what God has provided. If the men are meeting, and our dear brother has been taking us through the doctrines of Man, yeah, godly man, right? Take an opportunity to that. Throughout the church, it's not just morning and evening, but there are other places, right? And I know there are limits on what we can do and so forth, and, and we need to think about the current limitations around what we're doing with the midweek evening. The point I'm trying to make here is this, is that desire to want to know the word and to sit under it and cry out to God to help you prioritize it. And as you do that, you not only love to read his word, but you would love to tell it to others as well. As I said in the church, we have many opportunities. Let us use this opportunity to become established in the truth. Right? Keep growing in Christ, says Paul, by what? Because you are in Christ. Become rooted, built up, established in the truth. That's the first command. Keep growing in Christ because we are in Christ. Just a second and final command Paul gives us here. We should keep growing in Christ. How? By resting in Christ. Resting in Christ. God commands us to grow in Christ here. The same way, he says, the same way God commanding us through Paul, of course. Uh, he says, grow in Christ the same way you welcomed Christ for the first time. We surrendered ourselves to Christ Jesus the Lord. Look at verse 6. Therefore... As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. God commands us to grow in Christ the same way we welcomed Christ. It's amazing. Paul is saying, when you became a Christian, you welcomed Jesus in your life. Now, you may have wondered when people say, I received Jesus. I know our reformed people, like, oh, they look a bit suspicious on that. You received Jesus, huh? They raise questions. The point being is that, you know, it's God who serves you. So I can say you receive Jesus, like, he will come to you, right? But actually, the reason people say that is because they've read this verse. It comes from here. Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. It is true that when we become Christians, it is God who is really receiving us. We are the lost son being welcomed back by the Father, right? 
But it's also true that becoming a Christian is receiving Christ. When we repented of our sin, we threw our arms open to Christ and hugged him. Right? We said to Christ, all I have now is yours. You are mine. I surrender my life to you. And this is the key point that the Apostle Paul is making here. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Paul is saying you came to Jesus first and foremost as one coming to your Messiah or the Christ, God's anointed king. You said to Christ, you are now my king forever. You acknowledge the historical Christ. You affirm that this Jewish man is the anointed king sent by God to be our king. You welcomed him as the Christ. You also welcomed him as your Jesus. As your savior. You shall call him Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. You admitted you are a sinner before God and you pleaded with Christ to save you. You knew that there was nothing you could do to save yourself. Only the perfect Lamb of God would do. And you turned to the cross. You turned to Christ. And God wiped away your sins. Past, present and future. You welcomed him. Not only as the Christ. But also as your Jesus. You also welcomed him as the Lord. Didn't you? Just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. You welcomed him as the ruler, owner, and sovereign of all. The Lord God himself. You welcomed Jesus as Yahweh himself coming to reign. You surrendered to him. Beloved, you surrendered to him not as a man surrendering to another man. But as a creature surrendering to his creator. You gave Christ true worship. And the Bible, I love this, you received him. Don't miss that. You received Christ. You did not pay a penny for him. You couldn't afford him. You received him as a free and precious, priceless gift from God. A wondrous gift of grace from God. That's how you became a Christian. You became a Christian like that, by grace. And now Paul says, keep growing in Christ by resting in him, not on yourself. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Paul is saying, rest in Christ as your Christ the King. Do not run your life. Keep surrendering to your King. That's how you became a Christian. So why are you stopping? Keep doing it. Keep surrendering to him as your King. Let him have the power and control over everything in your life. Resist temptation to be in charge. Give up control. Look, there's no Brexit opportunities in the Christian life. It's surrender all the way. You receive Christ by surrendering all that to him. Do not turn back, beloved, says Paul. Do not start living for yourself. Resist the culture, he says. Keep growing by surrendering to Christ. Rest in Christ as your Christ the King. And then he says, rest in Christ as Jesus, your Savior. He says, do not try and save yourself again. Do not start relying on your works to make yourself right with God. Listen, you have tried that. You know it doesn't work. Let Jesus be your Jesus, beloved. 
He has come to save his people from their sins by his grace. That is you, his people. So keep going back to the cross as we read in the hymn. Keep going back to this truth that you are saved by his cross. Keep welcoming and resting in the good news of Christ every day. If you sin, look to the cross, not to your works. Are you struggling at home? Look to the cross, not your works. Are you finding life hard generally? Look to the cross, not to yourself. Rest in Jesus as you save. And rest in him as the Lord God Almighty. Do not turn to your former idolatrous life, says Paul, where you worshipped yourselves and the things of this world. Do not be like the, like the Israel in Judges who just kept wallowing back to the idols. Nah. Keep worshipping the Lord. Grow in giving Christ true, reverent, heartfelt worship. Remember, beloved, as we said this morning, you cannot improve on Christ. He is God. Don't try to add to him with foolish ideas. Don't try to find another way to live a fulfilled life. There is none. You have all you need in Christ. Keep resting in him. Growing in Christ, simply put, is about resting in the all-sufficiency of Christ for us. And that's why Paul says in verse 7, look at verse 7, how verse 7 ends, that we are to abound with thanks, isn't it? Why are we giving thanks? Because it's not about us. It's about him. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you are taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Do you know what the word abounding here means? It means overflowing. The original word here has the image of a river or a well full of water just spilling out everywhere. Think of when we had the rains and just the, 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 the banks are just blown away. This is thanksgiving that cannot be contained. Paul is saying the sign that we are really growing in Christ by resting in him is that we become flooded, drenched with thanksgiving to God. Is your life growing in being soaked with thankfulness to God for Christ and what he has done for you? Be honest. I suspect if you are like me, I asked myself that question and the answer was, nah. When I first read this, I said, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't even know what a life that spills over with thankfulness to Christ looks like. I am clueless here, Lord. Please help me. I said, Lord, this feels impossible. But Paul is saying this is possible. He's saying that we are, when we are growing in Christ, we will grow with floodgates of thanksgiving to God. I would imagine this person just like smiles all the time, doesn't it? Like, serving this thanksgiving, like flooded with thanks to God, overwhelmed. And I was like, Lord, I want this. And I pray that's your prayers where I want this. I would like my life to be like this. I need my life to be like this. Overflowing with thankfulness to God. 
And then my mind went back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 10. You can scan it up. Because Paul there is praying. Paul is teaching us there that we grow in thanks by remembering what God has done for us. So he prayed for the Colossians to have their life of joyful thanks, we call it. And as I thought about that scripture, it reminded me that how did Paul think this was going to come about? Well, he was praying, isn't it? Verse 9 to 12 is a prayer of Paul for them. Paul prayed for them. Prayer is the vehicle that God has designed to bring blessings from his holy throne down to us. God is sovereign over all things by his ordained prayer as the means through which he can fill us with thanksgiving that bursts the riverbanks of our life. And so I, I found my answer. The answer is, I must pray for this. And that is your answer, isn't it? Pray that this verse will be true for you. Abounding in thanksgiving. Thomas Watson says, prayer is the key of heaven. Faith is the hand that turns it. If you want to grow in resting in thanksgiving, resting in Christ with thanksgiving, we must pray for it. No follower of Christ is greater than their prayer life, says Robert Murray McShane. He says, what a man is on his knees before God, that he is and nothing more. When God wants to grow us spiritually, when he wants to make us burst out with thanksgiving, to him in our lives. He grows us first in prayer. This means that if we're not praying, we are not actually growing in thankfulness. So we need to pray specifically. Remember what I said this morning? Our prayers need to be more specific. So this evening, one action only, isn't it? Pray for this. Pray fervently that this would reflect your life. That you be thankful for what Christ, who Christ is, what he's done. And that God will help you to rest in him by growing your thankfulness to Christ. Pray this will be true for you. We need God to impress this truth on us afresh. To remind us what a wonderful gift the Lord Jesus Christ is. Don't, we've had 26 sermons in Colossians already. Indicatives. Don't waste that. One action from 26 sermons. Praying for thankfulness. I think the Lord understands our weakness. So let's make that a, a priority, isn't it? We need God to remind us that no matter what is going on in our lives, we, we have infinitely more to be thankful in Christ. We have Christ Jesus the Lord. Here is a gift we have received that cannot be end. Here is God himself loving and caring for us in our flesh. It's a gift we can never afford. So let us cry out to him to keep growing us and resting in Christ so that we can grow each day in giving our wonderful God the praise he deserves. Amen.